This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to episode the 58th of Tamper Tantrum. It is 58, isn't it? It is 58, yes. My name is Colin Harmon and as you've heard, he is Stephen Layton. How are you, Stephen? I'm very good. Uh, are you the Colin Harmon of, who's very, very famous, who MCs coffee competitions now and has probably one of the busiest coffee shops in the world? That would be me. I, oh. I, I, just on the MC, I'm probably jumping the gun here a bit, but I can say that like I was looking forward to that so much and like as, as an experience in itself, it will go down as one of the least enjoyable things I've ever done. I just, I have no idea how you do it. It was, it was, as soon as like they put that microphone in my hand, I was just like, I want to go home. This is terrible. <laughs> you were very good at it. It was, after the first one, you were very good at it. No, I, I think, think after the f- We should apologise, shouldn't we? Was it Portugal or was it Mexico? I can't remember. But we, did, we need to make an international apology on uh, Tampa Tantrum's behalf. What did I do? Um, you, you broke the... F- the worst rule oh, ever. Oh yeah, MC. yeah. I asked him, was it his first time competing? Which, as I was saying it, I was like, Colin, don't say that. And he then looked at me and said, "No, yeah. I've done this like five times. We've competed against each other." Yeah. <laughs> I was not impressed, and I was like, "Oh fuck, sorry." But yeah, besides that, and as he said it, then I recognised him. I was like, "Oh yeah, now I remember you." But you yeah. know, it's terrible because you're like you're looking at the sheet, and the sheet says. Barista champion of Germany, okay? And you're going, Barista champion of Germany, Barista champion of Germany. And then it totally comes to your time, and you turn your mic on, and you go, the Barista champion of Germany! And in your head, you're going, they're not from Germany, you've just fucked up their day, you idiot. <laughs> and then you look at the piece of paper, you're like, no, it definitely says Germany. And it's just that constant, I don't know, sense of nervousness throughout the whole thing. Like, if I do a competition, if I fuck up, it's my fault. Like, I'm making myself look stupid. But if you mess up when you're doing MC, you're ruining someone else's day. And that's a harder thing to live with. I would say, and I've actually had dreams of that where I kept saying the wrong country. And like people go, what are you doing? And it's like, no, they're from Germany, the, your example. Like, no, no, they're, they're, from, they're from, you know, Venezuela. It's like, are they? And it was a, it's a proper, like, panicky dream that I've had. Like the dude uh, that announced Miss World and announced the wrong winner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they like the pressure to get that to, to to get that right every time. And if you think about when you're talking, you quite often will say something that's right. You go, "Oh no, I didn't mean that. I meant this." But you don't get a chance to do that on the stage. And, and yeah. Well, what I did do that I enjoyed a lot more was the commentating. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed the commentating. Um, but I've got a confession to make. Yeah. I kind of did do that in the commentating. So one of the competitors. I was looking, Steve and Marcy kept handing me these sheets. And I was like, all right. And I was looking at the sheets and I think I looked at the wrong day's listing or something. So anyway, the Barista champion of Sweden came on, who is uh, Stephen Maloney. Maloney. Yeah. And um, so he was going to this routine. I was like, this is amazing. And like, in, quite frankly, it, it was, and I'll just say it for the record, probably my favorite presentation all week. Like, I agree. Very risky. Like, I understand, I, sh- I was shocked that he didn't make finals, but I, I wasn't surprised, if that makes sense. Like, it was, he just took his own tack. He's like, I'm not a coffee sourcer. I'm not a coffee farmer. I'm a barista. This is what I do. 
And it was just really well weighted, really well, like, presented. Just very simple. I, I loved it. I really, really loved it. Um, but so much in this guy's routine. And I'm like, man, like, Serbia have never had somebody this good before. And Stephen, like, just shoots me this look and, like, turns his mic off and goes, Serbia, what the fuck are you talking about Serbia? I'm like, is this guy not from Serbia? He's like, he's from Sweden. I'm like, oh, sorry, Sweden. <laughs> But then once I gotten over that that uh, minor hiccup, it was fine. I, I I might have to admit something here, Colin. I think I might have caused that. How? Because I was emceeing him, and when I emceeed him by mistake, I, I, I said Sveria instead of Sweden, because Sveria is Swedish for Sweden. Ah. And, and I actually wonder if by mistake I've influenced you to say Serbia. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. You see, see, okay, no, okay, that's just one example, okay, of why I blame you for everything. Okay, because even when I don't know the reason why, (laughs) it is your fault. Oh, that's hilarious. So next time I'm blaming you for something, you're like, why you blame me for this? I'm allowed to say, I don't know, but rest assured it's your fault, okay. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Because I was looking and thinking, why did I think he was from Serbia? Oh, uh, that, do you know that's so cute though? Because that actually shows that you listen to me. I didn't think that was a thing. It's like you're passively fucking me up as well. It's amazing. That is quite phenomenal. So let's go back to competition. I, I agree with you about Stephen. I, I, um, I actually had when I got home, I had to he- email him and just say like how amazing I thought his performance was, and I, and, I, and that's the only person I have actually emailed. Um, yeah, well, he actually emailed him yesterday. I got an email from him. I think he got it from you. But he, um, it's. I think everybody should go and look at the routine because every year there's routines that don't win that make a big impact. And I'd like to think that his would be one of those. Yeah. I actually think, like, it's one of the problems of, like, and I, and I think we're going to go on to this in a little while, but I think there are some problems with the competition. And, like, I think one of the problems is there's a set format. So you get on an aeroplane, you go to a coffee farm, you choose your coffee, you get involved in the processing, you air freight it back, and, and you know, and then you sit down there talking about it for 15 minutes, that what a great green saucer you are and how you found this amazing coffee. And Stevens was just so refreshing to focus back on, like, I, I haven't got time for that because I'm serving coffee in a bar and I need it to be really tasty and I need to work on my my part of the, the job. And actually, I'm kind of sick of Bristol's trying to steal my green sourcing job. It's very rude of them. Yeah. I, you know, I don't try to steal their job. Um, but yeah, I, I, and, and I just, I, I thought it was super, super refreshing. Um, what did you think about the whole uh, milk thing? You know, we obviously, the, the rule changed this year. One of the rule changes was you can have a milk beverage, which has seen the death of the giving up for the cappuccino. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, a few things I noticed were that, well, first of all, that everybody pretty much served the same drink. Like, yeah. so a drink that was smaller than the cappuccino without a handle. And um, like cappuccino, <laughs> they were the two two I saw. I yeah, mean, there were like, lots of cappuccinos too. To me, it ends up being the same drink as an espresso, but like a little milkier. You know what I mean? Like it kind of it's generally the same flavor profiles. Like it would be really interesting to like just serve like a bucket of milk with with an espresso in it to see how those flavors stretch out. Because then you get something that's very very different. And also, you're not you're not hammering the judges' palates as well. So I I I thought somebody would take that that kind of route 
I might do it next year. Do you think year. it's because? Well, do you not think it's because the score sheet is so heavily weighted to to flavour descriptors and things that it's yeah, but you can describe the flavour of of a, a coffee and milk. There's no no reason why you can't. I think it's a lot easier. I think yeah, there's, there's there's not many people taking very many risks. I think it would just be very it's it's getting very box ticky, you know. But um, besides that, it wasn't very. I think it's a good reel. Like I'm happy it happened, but I don't think anyone's done anything super interesting with it. Um, <clears throat> the, the what I did think was actually really interesting was the tamping. So all of a sudden, everybody had an OCD, um, which is the on a coffee distributor, the Sasa Sausage. Actually, I just I just got one. Um, Sasa gave me one last week or the week before. Um, one appeared in my roastery about two months ago. I'm fairly sure I probably paid for it. Yeah, so I'm gonna start testing that next week. I've got a bar shift next week. Wow. Yeah. Shit. That's that's not good. Yeah. Um. It was the byproduct of one of the many pub sessions that we had over the WBC. <laughs> um. So yeah, I've got a bar shift and. Um, so I tested there and then actually in the final somebody used a puck press which is hilarious if you watch the tech judges bending over and watch the machine go tamp tamp <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was quite interesting as well um, but yeah lots of tamping tools and distributors and if they weren't the owner one they were the cheap knockoffs and or expensive knockoffs so it was interesting to see that but has the who are about its name gone died down now in, in internet land um, you no, know, there's always who hard about everything. That's just. I thought that was so pathetic. I was just like, really, like, oh, just it's a name. Who cares? Oh, well, you know, I think people, there's a lot of people who's, uh, is, I don't know, their, their pastime is going around looking for things to be offended about. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, I think the absence of the tech judge is, is I think we're beyond at world stage. I think we're beyond tech judge. I don't really see there needs to be one but anyway i think that's a good that we only have one anyway which is kind of the interesting thing is that all the scores are 70 points less which made yeah. people go well oh, there's really low scoring this year but you can see why it isn't you know um I, I personally think though that they should turn the scores into a percentage so you should get something out of 100 you know yeah that might be interesting could, could we get some kind of charity set up for like homeless tech judges that are wandering around the world like looking for things to do? <laughs> <laughs> They're like going into shops and like bending over and looking at people when they, when they type on, on tales and stuff. Your £5 a month can help this tech judge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then after that, the live scoring. How did you find the live scoring? I absolutely hated it. It wasn't live. It wasn't live and for me... Uh, I fed this back to WCE, so I'm not just kind of saying that, oh, this is a bit rubbish, but one of my favourite parts of uh, the MCing is announcing semi-finalists. Because at that point, you have 62 people, it would have been, standing there in a line, going, I'm still in this competition. Like, three days have gone, and I still stand a chance of going through to the next round. And you can see it in their faces. And yes, people are disappointed at the end of it, but you've kept their dream alive for a little bit longer. What I was seeing was like an hour and a half after they competed, packing all the stuff into a box and going and not coming back because they weren't through. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of killed that whole dream of I'm through. And the semi-final results, there was like one person that made it through that wasn't in the last update of the live scoring. So Greece dropped out to 13th, which must have been super disappointing for them because they'd been hanging on all the way through right until the, the announcement and they had to hang behind for the announcement 
Um, and United Kingdom made it through into semi-finals. And I just didn't, I don't know, it just seemed to take some of the magic away. And I know that they've done it to try and introduce the magic for people that they can still win this wonderful prize of going to work for WCE at the All-Stars event. <laughs> uh, Stephen! <laughs> sorry. Um, no, that they get an opportunity to go to Korea, to Seoul, and, and you know, to, to see what's happening there. So you kind of in this team thing of being able to do that. But it just took something away from it. And I don't think that the live scoring helped the team element of it. You know, you can still all rally, rally around and be part of that team if the live scoring wasn't there. So I, I, I thought it was not good. I remember doing it at the Superheat here in Birmingham uh, for the uh, UKBC. And it was just the biggest nightmare. And it just meant that people lost interest very quickly uh, and just disappeared off. Yeah, it's interesting because like it kind of wasn't live scoring in the sense that like you you often didn't see the person's scores for like a couple of hours afterwards and it was it, it wasn't as if there was a, it, like I I I know that there'd be a gap but I what I imagined happened would be let's say that Iceland would go and then Sweden would come on and then when Sweden was finished they'd bring Iceland back on to stage and be like how do you think you did here's your score three two one bang and there it is on the screen like. And it would yeah. be a bit more of that, but there was none of that. But in saying that, like, they changed it and whatever, whenever it's like, I'm always saying to the, the guys in the shop is that, like, people want things to improve, but nobody wants things to change, you know? And when when they change something, everybody's just going to give out about it. So, like, fair juice for changing it. Uh, yeah. I hope to take the good aspects of it and the bad aspects of it and move it on. But, like, it was safe enough to do it just for the first round because I think if it was for all three rounds it would have been a disaster. So at least you can have a test run at the bottom round. But um, yeah, I do. I worry a bit about those people that don't make semi-finals and how to keep them more involved, you know? Yeah. I mean, do, you say that though, but you're doing a test run on basically everybody and that can be the only thing that some people get out of the competition. Like, I, I, I'd rather, I'd rather test it out on the semi-finalists because the one, you have more time as an MC to do what you just suggested of getting them back out and, and, and talking to them. But also they've already had a chance of, you know, competing without you mess you know, without it messing up the way they feel about it. Um, and they have an opportunity to go through to finals. Whereas, you know, say for instance, like the guy from Uganda who arrived um, super late uh, because of visa issues, you know, had a real mission to get there. That was his only chance to stand there on that stage and do that because he didn't make it through to semis. And, you know, I don't know. I just think that it it could be. I'd rather try these things at um, national level. So try it at you know the IBC or try it at the UKBC or the USBC and try these things out and see how they work rather than trying them on the on the world stage. Um, you know, by that point we should have it have it nailed and 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 have you know we we should know what the outcome is going to be when we're trying something. Yeah, no, I agree. Like it's. It's a difficult one because I think it's definitely worthwhile doing, but I'm not sure. But it, I'm not sure it went how anybody thought it was going to go. Maybe I don't know. I can't speak on behalf of WC, but I think it's one of those things where you get halfway through it and you're like, ah, I see. It's a weird one. Um, but yeah, the one. But the one thing about just just finally though, like the one thing I would say about the competition overall that week, like because. Like, obviously, we were both doing MC and some commentating, so I was there kind of in and out all week. I was really disappointed with the turnout. 
Yeah. Like it seemed to me that most people were more interested in the resu- in the announcements than they were in the competition. So the pace filled up for the uh, semi final announcements and the final announcement, but besides that, it was just empty all the time, and the show was full. There was like twelve thousand people there. I think the only reason it filled up for the semi-final announcements was that that was the only part of the show you could actually go into at that point because it had run so late. They'd closed the show floor down. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was it very poorly attended, more so than normal. Um, like so, normal expectations when I'm, when I'm seeing is in the morning. The first like if you're on the eight till nine thirty, ten o'clock, you will just have your team there. You won't have anybody else because you know, nobody gets there. 10 o'clock, it starts to build up. By lunchtime, um, it really is full. Or if you have a big name coming on, then you just feel the crowd swell up. And that just didn't happen at all, all the way through. Um, And there seemed to be not so much interest in watching people make drinks. Uh, And it was very much about results or, you know, just kind of, there was a lot of people just sitting in there, not even looking at the competition. Um, You know, it was a good place to go and have a meeting or something. So, yeah. It's very strange for Ely. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it definitely needs to be looked at a bit. Maybe, I don't know. I was convinced that Dublin would be absolutely rammed. I just thought that it had that coffee community. But, but then I realised that all the people that were in all the shops were busy. So yeah. that was kind of the way it was. And then obviously um, the finals. Was that the, the finals that you taught? Did, did you see that, that top six? or? Yes, yes, uh, very much so. Um they were the ones I picked out. Do you know, I was thinking about it. It's my first finals. I not. I didn't see the finals. It's the first finals I haven't seen since two thousand five. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of like not 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 didn't see any of it at all. Uh, very odd. But no, they were they, they were that was pretty much my top six. Um, I think we were talking about it on the. Uh, I surprised in Australia not Thursday. I was and I wasn't. Um, he was excellent. I thought he was really good. Um, but I just, it, it was that little bit of, um, there was there were lots of points scoring. So I guess that's why it's a surprise it isn't. But um, I definitely saw Japan. I definitely saw Taiwan. Um, I definitely saw France. You know, they, they, they were very obvious standouts. Yeah, uh, Canada. Yeah, Canada for sure. Like Ben was amazing as always. As always. So like Ben's, Ben's picked up your mantle though. You know, make finals but not win. Thanks, Steve. very good of him. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Ben and me are brilliant. Um, yes. So uh, you know he was. Uh, I've always been very um, impressed with Ben's routines, and they're always very. Uh, I suppose yeah, he does take a lot of risks in them and stuff. Yeah, I like I like Ben's routines, and I hope he's yeah. one of those competitors that I hope he comes back every year because it's like I enjoy watching him every year. It kind of doesn't matter if he wins or not. Yeah. In a way, it's yeah, better that he doesn't because then he comes back. You know. I really like the way that he's always trying to push like extraction and brewing in a different direction. Um, and he's really one of those people that twists and warps the rules round to, uh, to, to suit him. But no, I, 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 I was, I'd say pretty much, I think five out of the six I'd got as my, as my finalist from semi like from seeing the first round. Uh, and, and maybe that's another problem with the competition is that you can kind of see that too. Um, like there's all, there's normally like a wild card in there that you don't see coming, but there's that's one, and they normally come fifth or sixth. Yeah. Um, so Taiwan, like I've I've never been to Taiwan. Mm. What's the coffee scene like there? Is it because to me that was a bit of a shock because obviously Taiwan hasn't got a great history in WBC. 
Yeah, well, we I mean, we did um, we did the tab the Tam Potential in like starting career, then went to Shanghai, and then finished up in Taipei. And we finished up in Taipei, uh, where we got like five days there. So it was probably the one country I got to see the most of the coffee culture there. I mean, uh, Berg Shop um, was one of the ones that it was across the road from the hotel I was stopping in, um, and basically spent most of my time in there. Um, and it was amazing. But the Tampa Tantrum, that like so WC had organised it, but then there were host partners who really did lots of the logistical on the ground organising. And I remember coming off stage there and just being stuck there for 25 minutes, uh, having to sign autographs, do selfies, and like all of the crazy stuff that I'm like, why is this a thing? Um, and they were just so enthusiastic about everything. Like they, the, the community there had really got behind this idea that we're going to do this thing and all these coffee people are coming to town and we're definitely going to support it. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it, it, there, there's a real buzz to work together there as well. Um, it, it, it was absolutely amazing. Like Taipei was probably my favourite part of the trip, uh, even though it was the, you know, the, we'd obviously done the third time I'd done the presentation. I think everybody by that point was in the kind of flow of it all. Um, but it was also, it was just so well supported. Like really good, people really got behind it. Yeah, I'd love to go actually. Yeah. I tried as well, I didn't try his, I, I tried the lot that he had roasted by Onak because Onak get, get coffee from the same producer. Um, and um, it was weird because the feedback I heard just from people backstage or whatever uh, was that it just tasted like of of jasmine and when I we cupped it in the shop the next day it was it was just like jasmine like as in not like coffee that tastes like jasmine just like jasmine that tastes like coffee you know what I mean it yeah. was insane um it was definitely the year of the geisha wasn't it I mean uh... oh, Jesus Christ there was geishas coming out of everywhere um yeah. and like I I'm, I go I'm always one of those people that says you need to let the winner win and I think Berg deserved to win so I don't want this to be seen as a slight towards Berg. But like, I just, I worry about like the message that sends to people that you have to get, you have to get a coffee that is a very literal coffee that is just easy to score. That you say jam, or you, no, you say strawberry and it tastes exactly like strawberry. Or you say jasmine and it tastes exactly like jasmine. Because the thing is that some coffees are difficult to describe. And that's fine. Like, so that you and I, like, I'm drinking a coffee here from Square Mile and it's delicious and it's from Colombia and kind of tastes like coffee and there's some citrusy sort of notes in there and maybe a little bit of, like, I don't know, plum or something maybe that you might think is a bit, no, it's a bit more, you know, grape and I'm like, yeah, maybe. And that can't win WBC. Do you know what I mean? But there's no reason why it shouldn't be able to because it's an excellent coffee. It's kind of weird. So I, I had a, a Twitter discussion with um, Gordon Howell. Uh, Gordon, previous Tampa Tantrum speaker, Big G. Um, and it was talking about geishas and like he's properly on board with the whole geisha thing. That's and fine. Yeah, no, no, it is. It is fine. And it, we had this discussion that was like, yes, I think geishas can be phenomenal. I think they could be amazing. Um, but I've tasted more worse ones than I have good ones. Uh, because people are trying to plant them in the wrong places. And I, I'm halfway through wrote it, writing a blog post about uh, basically Geisha, the saviour or killer of the varietal, and basically talking about how 
Um, geishas can be a great gateway, and if they're good, they're amazing, but they can also be like, actually really harmful for coffee. Like, I love a great sweet bourbon from El Salvador. Hmm. I don't want to be having that florally geisha when I want that bourbon from El Salvador. Uh, and it's kind of great that we've suddenly got this one varietal that I think is very distinct, like, you know, why We spoke has about that distinct. on Temperature yeah, before, about how there's yeah. a need to have varieties in coffee that are very distinct. Yes, but I'm, I just don't want it to become, this is coffee, because it isn't. It really isn't coffee. It's like having, you know, a... a like it's like liking wine, but having a whiskey. <laughs> you know, it's like it's super different. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I think. Um, yeah, that variety is, is is important, and I think yeah, like I don't think we should like necessarily freak out just yet because like it's generally like Sadarume, Geisha, and what's that super expensive one with all the letters and numbers. Can't remember n thirty nine or something like that. Can't remember, and so it's um, but it's generally coffees of that ilk. So it turns into like, like I've talked to competitors who were told that you can't in Brewers Cup and in Barista competitions say you can't come with a coffee that's just like that. You have to you have to get something that's expensive and like flamboyant and just I don't know. It's it's a weird message to send out now, like. The, de- the other side of that argument is that like Charles Babinski reached second place and just barely lost out to Sasha Sestich last year with a, a coffee that wasn't kind of Geisha-esque. And this year, um, oh, I've completely forgotten her name, but the competitor from Coffee Collective who finished second in the Brewers' Cup, she used just an off-the-shelf Kenyan. So there is... Kenny. Yeah, so there is... It's a special Kenyan. Yeah. So there there is an, like... I don't know. There is there is an opportunity there just to do regular stuff, but I don't know. Like I I I I think it's weighted against you doing this. The, it is. Uh, like, you know, and 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 it should. But I'm looking at the because... people that are that are scoring it, and I'm saying like if you come to my shop and I serve you this delicious Kenyan from or Colombian coffee from Square Mile, you'd enjoy it and don't lose sight of that. You know. Yeah, and and that that's a problem with the score sheet. The score sheet is just so hot, and particularly the the Brewers Cup score sheet. He's so heavily weighted towards being a cupping score sheet. And the only thing that are going to really score high on a cupping score sheet are geishas because they have the properties that hit the numbers. Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I, that's one of my I mean, small problems. I still like, I love the competition. I really do like the Brewers Cup. But it's one of my problems with it is that it is a cupping sheet and you wouldn't, there's only one winner with, only one winner without a geisha and that was the first year. And that was because I think they were finding their feet. Yeah, uh, they were finding how it, how it actually worked. So, like the I had a really interesting conversation on the stage after this final after the winner had been announced. I was kind of sat down at one of the stations with uh, Nick Cho and Peter Giuliano and um, uh, who else is there? Katie Cardiolo and Julie House. And one thing that Peter said was, he said, "Well, I just think in the last 10, 15 years that." Uh, I mean, we should get Peter on to discuss this himself, so I'm not paraphrasing him incorrectly, but he, he said that I think the one person that's been lost in competitions in the last 10, 15 years is the farmer. And I was like, do you honestly believe that? I was like, that's nonsense. I said, like, if anything, it's more to the to the forefront. And he said, no, I don't mean the people who own the farms, like the people that are winning competitions with their coffees now, those people were already rich when this all started. 
they came from rich families, which is fine. Uh, but he said the farmer, the person who is actually on the land tending the trees, that person is getting more and more marginalised. Like we're forgetting about that person. And now it's people, it's roasteries growing their own coffee, which is fine. Uh, it's uh, baristas doing their own processing, which is fine. And it's, it's um, you know, importers and exporters that own their own farms and doing fancy lots that are ridiculously expensive. And that's, all of that is okay. And I don't disagree with any of that, but it's, it's the regular coffee farmer who we pertain to be representing. Mm. There is a very prominent and loud kind of Western white savior rhetoric that's out there in the coffee community. And we, we claim to represent these people very strongly, but we're not. I remember talking to Ernesto from La Lujan and Alaska and the, 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 those farms and, and Las Brumas and um, the effect that uh, WBC in 2011 had on him after Alejandro uh, won WBC. And the effect on him was huge, like the effect on the farm, because he was, I mean, it, it, he's not an unwealthy man, but he's also, he's, he has to work very hard and he's borrowed a lot of money to invest in his farms and things like that. So it has to work. It's not like he just has a bank account that he just goes, I'm going to do this to my farm because I can. Um, but the effect of uh, Alejandro doing well with his coffee in WBC meant that so many more people were knocking on his door. Um, and those people are still at his door and he's still working with them. And, and, and it is a great opportunity to not just benefit, you know, the champion like Sasha or like uh, Berg or, you know, it, 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 there's an opportunity to um, improve the life of a farmer, which means that trickles down to the people who manage and tend the farm as well. Um, and uh, I don't know whether that, when you start getting lots that are owned by exporters and importers and all of those things, it does, it does take away from yeah, uh, that opportunity away for sure. I do, and like I love the innovation in in processing and, and the things that are coming from there, like the 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 stainless steel uh, fermentation tanks and the kind of uh, anaerobic fermentation and all this kind of stuff. It's it's all very interesting and all very progressive, and like even Ben's thing with the vacuum espresso. But you know, I think there there needs to be some sort of we can't we can't tick all the boxes with those with these competitions. So there needs to be some other outlet for that as well. I think. Anyway, the other side of that conversation that I had on the stage of those with those people was, um, and I kind of felt it drifting towards it was like, so, um, how was coffee throwing last night? <laughs> um, and I do enjoy a thoughtful dressing down. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah. like when your peers who you respect sit you down and go, "We need to talk about coffee throwing," and. In fairness, I went, all right, hit me. And they absolutely dug into me. And they said, this, 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 this. I'm like, that's fine. And I said, okay, can I say my piece? They said, yes. And they let me say my piece. And they went, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I disagree on this point, but that's very interesting. I hadn't thought of that. And we had a really nice chat about how I'd fuck the world up. And it was, um, <laughs> it was, really, uh, it was really interesting. So I do appreciate that. And it was actually one of my favorite memories of that week. But for those of you that don't know, we had coffee throwing on the Friday night at the Bernard Shaw. We had over 60 competitors. We probably 100 people there. We drank a lot of beer. We had a lot of fun. Um, it was great. It was great crack. And then one of the um, attendees who turned up, who was involved in green sourcing, who, from what I understand, initially enjoyed the show and then halfway through it changed their mind and left. 
uh, put something online about how this was terrible and that we're not respecting the coffee and how it was, um, you know, shouldn't be done and blah, 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 which is not the first time for coffee throwing, I have no, to admit. No, no, we, we, I, I, I've, I've probably answered 10 tweets about it and several emails about how wasteful it is and how, uh, how much coffee is like, you know, obviously just going to bad there and, and I'm a very bad person for you know, for being involved in it. So yeah. I, I've also had that too. Yeah. So the thing about coffee throwing is, and like, let me be, be very clear about this. Okay. So the coffee that we threw at that competition was in the bin. Okay. It was in the trash can. It was, it was garbage. Okay. We took it from the bin and we brought it to the Bernard Shaw and we threw it and we created a comp competition where we had like a hundred coffee people came together and had some fun we raised some money for grounds for health which is a charity that provides cervical screening for women in coffee growing areas can i can i also explain why it was in the bin because i think that's important that so i had a delivery arrive from colombia um that during the transportation got water damaged um it arrived um it was no good the bags were damaged it was tasting awful and it was in the bin for that reason that it was never going to be used for drinking it was just dead um there were also some um misjudged roasts in there you know those who roast know every now and again you get distracted or don't pay enough attention and you'll have a roast that will you wouldn't serve to anybody it would go in the bin it's very unfortunate it's a terrible waste of green coffee but it's one of those things that it, happens. It's already wasted. Like, it's yeah. it's already done. And it was literally going in the bin. We spent six months before just collecting those random roasts. Because um, some of them you can donate to charity, but some of them you can't. Like, if, if something is dropped too early, it'll just break a grinder. So, in it goes. Um, so, anyway, the question I always bring back to people is, should we have left it in the bin? Like, is it... Is it not taking a negative situation and bring it to the Bernard Shaw and creating this social event and raising some money for charity? Are you not having a negative and turning it into a positive? Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that I completely get how the aesthetic of somebody throwing a bag of coffee is distasteful. Like how that makes you kind of go, oh, that feels wrong. Like someone has worked very hard to pick that coffee and it seems incredibly wasteful to do it. Now, the thing to remember is that the coffee has already been paid for, the relationships are maintained and will still go on. Um, like it wasn't going to be used as we've just explained. So it's weird because we get how it looks wrong, but in, well, in a that very- was part of why we did it though. But that's the thing, in, like, in a very nuanced way, that is the joke. Like that's, that's why it's funny. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like somebody making like an inappropriate joke and then someone's saying, that's inappropriate. You're like, well, that's why it's funny. You know, that's why it makes you go, oh, you can't do that. But when you explain the rationale behind it and the fact that all of the boxes have been ticked and it's fine, it's morally correct, people go, oh yeah. And it's kind of, you've kind of like been given a free pass, you know? It, I, I, I think there's also an element of who decides who can pass judgment on what is morally comfortable and morally correct. Because, you know, we look at barista competition and look how much, like, things are wasted within that competition. Coffee that is, that not just normal coffee, like these, as we've already been talking about, these are 
very specially selected varietals and lots, you know, and they're serving 12 drinks, sometimes only 12 drinks, and they could have been practicing for six months and got through thousands of kilos. Like, it's just, like, who decides that that's not morally, like, revolting and disgusting and a terrible waste, but raising some money for charity, throwing a few bags of coffee and having some beers yeah. is actually morally not right. Like, who, who's the arbiter here? We threw stuff that, yeah, yeah, we that threw was no 60 good. kilos of stuff that was wasted uh, for charity and fun. And I've often seen competitors turn up to WBC with 200 kilos and go out in the first round and then just yeah. like bin their coffee or just give it out to people who end up just sticking it in their office drawers and not using it. Like, you should see the amount of stuff that we were given after WBC. Like, and we had a cupping, it's like, I don't even know what to do with all of this coffee. I, I couldn't even give it away, you know? Yeah. I did, though. I gave it away. <laughs> did you throw it? I tried to. Well, I'm not allowed to anymore. <laughs> uh, the other side was that Maxilla were very good in supporting the event and um, uh, Maxilla packaging, obviously. And they, like, pay for some beers and kind of um, some bunting and stuff like that, so. Trophies and all that stuff, wasn't it? So, yeah. And, and, and they're fact been... You know, they kind of got it as well. When we explained to them what we were doing, it was like, we're getting coffee and we're throwing it. They were kind of like, that's a bit weird. It's like, oh, it's coffee that's no good. And they went, oh, okay, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. yeah, go for it. And they were super behind it. And then the thing is, right, I said to somebody, so we, at one stage we were going to collect a ground coffee that had been like ground extracted and put into a knock tube and then like just rebag it afterwards and throw those, all right? And the thing is, they're like, well, that would solve the problem. I said, yeah, but like, if we told people that we we're going to have a competition throwing bags of ground coffee, nobody'd fucking come. It just wouldn't be as interesting because the joke isn't there now. It's not. It doesn't feel wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so it's gone. It's dead. We killed it. Long live the coffee throwing. Yeah. So we decided to no longer do coffee throwing. In reality, the reason is because we're just tired of organising it. <laughs> but, but we will, well, no, no. We will to use... Be fair, to be fair, Colin, Jen yeah. is tired of yeah. organising Jen it. Jen is tired of organising it. But uh, we will use this as like a, a smokescreen and pretend that it's because of the PC Liberal Brigade out there. I sound like fucking Donald Trump now. Oh my God. <laughs> you are the Donald Trump of the coffee world. Uh, so the upside of this is that we're now looking for a competition to replace it. One that is easier to organise. Uh, but yeah, I've got some ideas for a competition that I'd like to organise. So I think um, we'll do something instead that is less offensive. <laughs> no, I, 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 or I, perhaps I, more I, offensive. I, yeah. <laughs> I think to, can we throw coffee farmers instead? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, one of the points um, that was made is that like there was no coffee farmers at the event, so we need to think about that. The no, reason why one... is because I don't know any fucking coffee farmers. <laughs> I don't traipse around the world being coffee savior person, and like I don't I don't go to coffee farms. I don't know any coffee farmers, so that's probably why they didn't come. Yeah. No, I I think just to, to just to finish it, I think it's like one. We're sorry. This portion of the podcast has been removed. We're sorry. This portion of the podcast has been removed. We're sorry. This portion of the podcast has been removed. Anyway, so it's gone. So we'll have some new competition that we'll pass off to Jen in, in future months <laughs> to organise. <laughs> Jen, we've had an idea. Um, but anyway, good luck getting that, uh, getting that to your editing. Well, maybe she will out to you, I don't know. Jen's, Jen's loosened the reins in recent months, you never know. I'm quite, I'm quite happy to be bleeped, as I'm sure everybody knows what I meant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and if you d and if you want to discuss it, we'll fight you in a car park. 
What's well, Steve will anyway? I'm not. Very, I'm not very good at fighting. You're better at fighting. No, we'll just throw coffee at each other in the car park to the death. Exactly. Like it. Yeah. Um. So how was three FE during World of Coffee? Um. I'm guessing it was kind of quite busy. It, it was literally twice as busy. Like we did twice what we usually do, and we 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 felt that we were capacity anyway. So. I think um, it's going to take a while for our, our regular customers to forgive us, but like it's the guys that opened the shop at 7.30 in the morning and there'd be a queue already. And it didn't go away until seven at night. 15% of our revenue that way, week was green eggs and ham. <laughs> like 15%. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, I think Len That's Butler was responsible for like 2.5% of that 15%. <laughs> Um, and it was great yeah we'd we'd a wonderful week we put all the names of the competitors on the wall which is which worked out really well it was great to see people taking their pictures beside the their name and stuff and the the vibes were great i don't know if any of you follow the staff on on instagram or any but they had they had a, a um a sheet that they put on the wall every morning and it showed like who was in shots who was on milk who was on till who was on the floor all the, and the, there's all these positions and every day there was a person a, a person whose job was vibes and their job was to walk around and make sure that everything was cool uh, which i thought was really nice touch um and they were slammed and they were an absolute credit to themselves because they were i was so proud of them they just they like can you imagine like no matter what you're doing if you're at full capacity right can you imagine then for a whole week being at twice that capacity and how like they had no ramp up to that they had no experience of being that busy and they just dealt with it and they were so nice to everybody and that everybody knows there's going to be a wait and they made sure that all the drinks are good and that everybody had a good experience and like uh, yeah i don't know how they did it i really don't i have no idea how they did it but they somehow managed to do it and i'm yeah super proud of them uh going back to the the photos and people against their names i i haven't seen the ben put one. Oh yeah well actually there's a little story behind that because I got all the names and I put them on the wall and, they were, and the people were like, oh, that's great. And then I said, yeah, I said, we had this idea and I don't know how well it would go down. And they're like, what's that? I said, well, what if we, what if we took the names down as people were eliminated? How do you think that would go down? And people were like, oh, that could be a bit controversial. And then Ben said, and it was Ben, Ben said, well, how about you took them down and put them up in the toilet? <laughs> so uh, we decided not to do that in the end. Uh, and uh, Largely because... I, I realised that most people that were competing probably wouldn't get to 3FE until after they'd been eliminated. Yeah. So I wanted them to get there and, and to see their name in the wall. Um, but um, in in homage to Ben's idea, we decided to get... Um, we had a second print of Ben's name, so we stuck his name on the toilet bowl. And I think it's still there, actually. Yeah, nice. Ben put us in our toilet forever. Yeah. And uh, as it happens, actually, Matt Perger is on the other toilet in Sussex Terrace because we took his sticker off an EK43 and put him up in the toilet. <laughs> so it's a, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it has, a, yeah, some sort of a, there's a message there somewhere. But, Coffee glitterati and live in your toilets. Yeah. So what was your favourite? Did you get to walk the, the show floor or like what in general, like for the whole week, what was your favourite bits? I did not. I didn't see any of it. I saw the, I saw the stage when I was emceeing, and once that had finished, I tended to get the heck out of there. Um, so I didn't really see anything at all. Uh, the roast, the, the the village thing, that's kind of an idea that started uh, a few years ago. I think it, I think it might have been Vienna the first year, and um, 
that seems to be growing from strength to strength. There seems to be a lot of cool people hanging around the village, a lot of cuppings, a lot of kind of uh, importers, exporters, roasters. Um, and that's that's a really cool development to have some cheap space for anybody to decide to rock up and do something. Um, but yeah, I didn't see a great deal of anything, if I'm honest. It was... Uh, I, I flew in on Wednesday morning, as you know, walked straight into the stage, picked up a mic and then left on Friday lunchtime. Um, as soon as I walked off stage, I went and got an aeroplane. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't see so much. What about you? What was your favourite part? Um, what was my favourite part? Um, I'm trying to think. Like, I think... I'm going to sound like an old man here now, but the, the vibes, you know, the general vibes. Yeah. Um, I th- I was really I thought everybody I thought everybody enjoyed it. I'm not sure the competition went very well. I was a bit disappointed with the competition. The show floor I'm kind of done with. I don't really do that. I walked it a little bit, but not very much. I just hate trade shows. I was very impressed with the new Slayer machine, which uses um steam. Yeah, but so it, like it uses hot air that's hotter than than steam, so it doesn't have water in it, and it uh, caramelizes the milk, and there is a very very tangible difference between the milk from uh, from different steam ones which makes your drink sweeter which is really interesting I thought that was very innovative um, and that aside yeah I just kind of I didn't really see very much you know I don't know but my favourite part was Thursday night's dinner that was my favourite part yeah oh you missed oh dude you missed Saturday night's dinner Saturday night's dinner yeah. was the best one man you would have loved that but yeah, I think um it was funny because we went to we did a list of places to go in um in Dublin for food, drink and everything else that you need to get your nails done. And one of the places on the list was a place called um Eto, which is one of my favourite restaurants, which you've been to, haven't you? Yeah, you've been to Eto. I have, yeah, I've been a few times. And I went there on the, th- the Thursday with a group of friends and uh, and you. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and they when I walked through the door the guys are like you, you and your list. And I was like, oh, what have I done? But they were saying that they had their busiest week since Christmas. And it would all been coffee people. So as I was leaving, they slipped me a bottle of 2012 Jean Foyard. Uh, and I was like, awesome. Thanks very much. So that's sitting in my wine rack ready for drinking this weekend. So thank you very much to the people of Eto. So for- and it's a delicious wine because we had a bottle of that with our, uh, with our dinner it as is, well, yeah. which was... Very good. And um, it's like, for all those people who are out there who go, you're so kind to put that list together, you can now see the Machiavellian reason behind all of this. So I'm going to go around to all the restaurants and demand freebies off them from now on. <laughs> yeah, um, just to clear up, I've had a few people like uh, DM me and email me asking me why I wasn't there for finals. Um, like, I had a choice where I could either hang around and watch somebody else MC the finals, or I could go and open the new shop in Stockholm, which was opening on the Monday. Um, a drop so I decided uh, to fall on my sword and not watch um, n- not watch the kind of I, I tried to find an analogy for what it would be like to watch somebody else MC the finals and I, it was kind of like watching my ex-wife have sex with somebody in front of me like, I'm very ha- <laughs> I'm very happy for them but I don't need to watch them yes you know it's kind of like <laughs> And that was the best analogy I could come up with. Um, so that's why I wasn't around for the finals. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm very sorry that I didn't get to show the barista champion of the world is Berg Wu from Taiwan. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, like over the course of the week, I spoke to a lot of people that were disappointed that you weren't doing it. So I don't think you're the only person. 
Well, I think Bart, Bart did a super job. He did. Bart, he, Bart he, did really, he grew job. into it over the week. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, he be, uh, we were doing some uh, MCing together, and as the week went on, he started to sound more like me, which was good. <laughs> <laughs> there were no happy cappuccinos, though, was there? There were no happy cappuccinos. I tried to actually do a cappuccino shout out, and I got told I wasn't allowed to call it a cappuccino. It had to be a milk beverage, even though it was a cappuccino. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. So the other conversation that was like drifting along throughout the whole week was the the um, <laughs> the aggressive surrender of the SAE into the SAA. <laughs> Still waiting for an answer, SAA. Uh, we said, "Do you fancy getting together?" And they've gone, "Um, um, um, um uh, there's something over there. Uh, I'll be back with you in a minute." <laughs> did you see the the email or the blog post from? the former heads of the SEAA. I have heard about this. I have not oh, seen man. it. Oh, man. It's actually... I thought it was... I thought it was like a, a coffee parody. It's all like, the SEAA is as American as apple pie. And we don't want no foreigners coming in here eating our apple pie. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it is was a, Donald Trump on it? From my cold, dead hands. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It is build a wall. Build a wall. Build a wall. Build a fucking coffee wall. (laughs) It is unbelievable. Like Carl, we we've got some coffee bags that we can't throw anymore that we could send them to build the wall with. Oh man! Oh no, that's offensive. (laughs) Unless we grind it, then it would be fine. But it's it is hilarious. Like it's actually hilarious how protectionist and short-sighted and slightly xenophobic the um the rationale of what they're saying is and it's oh I, it's laughable you have to actually go look it up uh, i don't know like where do you stand on all this so um when you were i don't know where you were but me and jen did one um uh, a few months back of a tamper tantrum that is and uh, we talked about the uh, unification and how I was I was a little disappointed that there wasn't a balanced approach to the to the unification from the SCAE. So basically all of the board and uh, and the executive director kind of turned around and said, we're for unification. We think it's a really good thing. Now, it's either it could be a really good thing or it's not a balanced discussion. There was nobody on the other side going, well, it is a good thing, but what about this? This could be an issue. Um, and I've spent the last 12 weeks in a, a media world of Brexit, where everybody's been talking about leaving the EU, staying in the EU. And Jen was the one that highlighted this. Is like, I think because I'm British and we have the BBC, which has to have this balanced approach to everything, they can never have somebody on the news that goes, this is a terrible thing, without having somebody on as well that goes, well, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And... I'm actually quite, uh, I, I'm quite, uh, I'm, I'm quite proud of what the SCAE are doing. They, they, they're actually having a proper discussion. They have a group of people who are saying it's a bad thing, and they've got a group of people that are saying it's a good thing. Like, I listened to the Rick Reinhart Porterfilter podcast, um, and I've always been a big fan of Rick anyway. I think he's like one of the smartest people in coffee. Like, he's super smart. Um, but in that, uh, that interview, he comes across as even smarter. Like he, he, he has this balanced approach where he says, like, I think it's a good thing. These are the challenges that we might have. These are the things that I'm worried about. But overall, I think it's a good thing. And this is why I think it's a good thing. 
Um, and then having these people come out and say, you know, a past president saying this is a bad thing, it allows people to have the discussion of, okay, they say it's good, they say it's bad, what should I do? Whereas we just went, yeah, we should do it, it's great. And it makes us look a little desperate. Well, um, I don't know, I, I, I do get that, but like it's, I've always wondered why there is like, because there's SEA, there's SEAE, there's SEAJ, there's ASCA, there's, I don't know, the People's Republic of Coffee, I don't fucking like, there's, there's so many of these things. And it's, we, it's, we all have generally the same agenda. Like, it's, I don't understand why there is so many groups. And like for a while, there was like the SEAE and SEA were competing against each other. And it was, it was ridiculous. Like, it's kind of like when there's, there's like two charities for the same thing. You're like, why wouldn't there just be one charity? Because you've got a common enemy. And our common enemy is bad coffee, ladies and gentlemen. So it's, it's just, I don't know. Um, I've always looked at all things with a very pragmatic and like, like approach in terms of like, this needs to be the most efficient. And if there is one body doing this, then it would be the most efficient. Do you know what I mean? I think I think it's hilarious that what came out last week was that uh, they're delaying the vote till August the fifth now, uh, because of the whole Brexit thing and the effect that that will have. Because one of the one of the pop, you know, proposals is that there is a a UK based uh, company come to Ireland. Ireland is <laughs> the nicer alternative to the UK. You don't want to, they definitely want to come here, don't they? No, their dollars. Just imagine how much their, their dollars can buy millions of pounds now. We will it's, happily uh, take all of your American dollars. Yeah. Come to Ireland, but, um, Yankee overlords. We will accept you with open yeah. arms. <laughs> and we will be... It's hilarious that it's been delayed just because of that. And I, I, so talking to people who are in the know, um, within SCAA, uh, I've heard it's going to be incredibly close. No. So, so like the 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 the, the website is coffee man coffee man's diary okay and it's with coffeegillies.wordpress.com which is g i l l i e s all right so we put a link up somewhere um and they have ten points why the SAA shouldn't merge the SAE point number one is that we have ten points that's kind of fucking cheating because then they actually only have nine no, points. No, I've got nine points. <laughs> And it's just all this arbitrary nonsense of the focus should be on you. Nothing is special is everything is the same. SEA, as American as apple pie. Yeah! Brexit affects SEAA and you. Uh, like, it's it's just... Rob, and it, so down here at the bottom, okay, they're, like, the specialty coffee uh, industry has probably, I'm going to say, has been impacted and progressed more by American people more than any other nation. Perhaps. Okay. I think that maybe it's up for there for argument, okay? But they're definitely up there, okay? Then I list these people that have signed this. So there's Donald Schoenholt, Dan Cox, David Dallas, Leonard Gavina Valls, Paul Katzeff, Becky McKinnon, Danny O'Neill, Grady Saunders, Linda Smithers, Gary Talboy. I have, who? I have no idea who any of those fucking who? people are. Who? Like, where have you been? <laughs> So, like, I'm sure all these people, they've all been SAA presidents, okay? Yeah. And I'm sure that they've all contributed in their ways. But right now, the people that are driving this industry, the people that I want to fall in behind, are the people like Peter Giuliano and Nick Cho and Stephen Morrissey and Katie Cardiolo and 
like there's a list of people in America that are driving this, uh, like Julie Hausch, like Rick Reinhardt, Rick Reinhardt. Like, like all of these people, they're the people that I care about what they think and not these people. So yeah. anyway, I, I think you're wrong about Americans doing the most for the coffee industry. No, it's not Ireland, Steve. Don't say that. Okay, it is. Now, did, did you not see the tweet Nick put out yesterday? Okay. Oh, Sasha. <laughs> that's no slight on Sasha either. I know exactly I not, that's not Sasha's words. I have a bad word tell about Sasha. Sasha is... No, is, that is amazing. He is my new man. But, but whoever's doing that PR for that film needs to kind of just rein it in just a tiny bit. Yeah. Well, you know, you know reading it, that it wasn't Sasha that said that. Sasha would never... No, I know that. that. I know. I know. And that's why I prefaced it with it. And it, like, I, I am a massive fan of Sasha. I love the guy. I think he's amazing. Like, I was talking to him d- that was, during the... So for, should I explain it, what it is? So yeah. the, basically the guys who are promoting the film about Sasha said that no one man has done more for the specialty coffee industry than Sasha. Like, and it was just like... Well, that's quite, um, quite the claim. He's done a lot. I mean, in his year of champion, he's done a lot. But I think there are other people that he would also admit maybe have done a little more. But, um, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, so I was talking to him about WBC and I was like, where are you staying? And he's like, oh, we went to the house. Where? So I'm like, where is it? He's like, Sandyford Village. I'm like, that's beside my house. <laughs> so like, yeah. we were actually neighbours during that week, so I bought him for a pint up the blue light. You went up the blue light before, didn't you? The pub up the middle. I have been up the blue light, yes. Very nice pub. Yeah. Particularly when the weather's nice. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. So yeah, it was good to have him nearby. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I think um, I'm going to go listen to that interview with, with Rick Reinhardt because Rick Reinhardt and I think Rick Reinhardt and Jory Pearson are like the coffee Illuminati. Like them two yeah. just decide what's going to happen. We they make stuff happen. That's why. and they let us have our votes and let us think that we're in control. But really, they've already decided. So I'm going to go listen to that and see what uh, what he has to say. Yeah, I was really going to finish off this part talking about political stuff, and 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 I and I, I, know, I feel I've been controversial enough this week, so I'm I'm going to save that for another time. Really, I wanted you to say something yeah. else controversial. Yeah, well, I'm not hundred percent. I'm not like I can I if I preface something with uh, allegedly. Does that mean like I'm not open to any liable or any criticism if it's wrong? I would like to take this opportunity to distance myself from any comments that <laughs> we will make hereafter. No, I'm not going to. You were just the one trying to make me do it. And then you're distancing yourself from me, so I'm not doing it now. Okay, that was Tamper Tantrum the 58th. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you don't already know, uh, we are also um, popping up in September in New York City, ladies and gentlemen. Which I'm very much looking forward to. So if you are in the US or fancy a trip to New York, uh, <laughs> uh, we're not going to pay for your trip to New York. We <laughs> um, might. No, we won't. Um, we might. Then, Or if you'd like to come and, and harass us for throwing bags of coffee, then get your tickets and um, yeah, check the website and Twitter page for all the appropriate details that we obviously don't have to hand. Uh, and besides that, yeah, um, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.